I really felt like a failure. I was like, how is it that I have, you know, had all these accomplishments and successes in the corporate arena and I feel like I am dropping the ball and failing as a mother? Why am I tired? Why can't I ever get ahead of stuff? Like, what's going on? Why is it so difficult to feel like I'm, you know, making progress? And why do I feel like I'm always climbing underneath a pile of something, to-do list, stuff, laundry, tasks, things? That's how it felt as a mom. Hey mamas, I'm Ardenia, host of Motherhood is Political. I'm your progressive BFF with the T on mom life, politics, and culture. And today, you know, I wasn't even going to do this particular topic today. I had a whole other episode planned, but life has a way of kind of shifting things and the spirit moved me just a little bit. And so today we are talking about how to stop treating yourself like the maid. Okay, and how to show up in your home life from a place of power. So that's what we're talking about today. And I'm going to tackle this topic because, again, it's back to school season. It's busy time for moms and we are already getting overwhelmed with things at home. I am personally feeling it. I know a lot of other moms are feeling it. We've got dinner and we've got practices and we've got errands and we've got after school things and Football games are starting and sports are starting. It's starting to get real. Okay, it's starting to get real. So I have got so many gems in this episode. I am excited. And so you're going to hear me beat this drum a lot. I talked about BTSD, which is back to school disorder in another episode. Be sure you check that out. And you're going to hear me talk a lot about creating space for you in this season of your life because it is so important. I cannot stress enough how critical it is that you start putting systems in place so you can take care of yourself because your, your plate is full and the cup runneth over. All right. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Household burnout. It's not a new problem. Okay. It's as old as time. And probably every mom is sitting there drinking a latte or having some caffeine, trying to wake up, shaking her head. Right. I see you, mama. And so America saw it right during the pandemic was really the first time the United States had to really come face to face with the, the work and the sheer volume of things that mothers had to do. So America saw it. They may not have wanted to see it, but they saw it. Companies also saw it. They saw it on Zooms. They saw it on Slack. They saw it on all those places where women were showing up. And I'm sorry. They saw it all those places where women were showing up and moms were showing up having to juggle about 80 different things. So they saw it, too. And you know who else saw it? Dad saw it. Dad saw it. For the first time, a lot of dads and moms were working at home together in the same space with the kids and homeschooling. And all the things happening in the background. And dads were like, is, is this what's going on at the house all the time? Like, it, it got real, real for dads, right? And so finally, I feel like moms weren't being asked the same dumbass questions that we had been getting asked since, you know, eternity. Like, what do you do all day? And oh my God, you must have so much time to like catch up on shows and stories and like, ooh, that must be nice. Like, having all that free time. And I'm like, what free time are you talking about? I just told y'all in another episode, it takes me five hours to drink the cup of tea. Like, it takes all day. So what makes you think we have time, you know, to sit around watching shows? And so this was a real moment of reckoning for the United States. And I really want to talk about that today, because what I want you to be clear on is that institutions in this country benefit from mothers doing a whole bunch of stuff at home. It is set up that way on purpose because everybody else really does get ahead when we do more work. Now, 
it's been modernized and updated in recent years. It doesn't look kind of like June Cleaver and throwback in the day. It's going to look slick and, you know, makes you feel like you're really doing something. They have all these pretty things on Pinterest to make it look appealing. But the fact is, it looks a little bit different, but it's fundamentally the same. And that means that moms still overwhelmingly have the burden of extra work at home, okay? And so what happens is we get a lot of different social cues from different people. It may not be explicit. It may not be like specifically said, but there are different things that happen and there are different cues that we get and norms that we pick up over time in terms of how we got to this place with the expectation that moms are supposed to do everything. First uh, level of influence probably in your life were your parents, OK, now your parents may have been traditional. Your parents may have been modern and they may or may not have had a conversation with you about what the expectations were for household labor based on whether you're a boy or a girl. But I bet you money they modeled something for you. Right. So you picked up those initial cues looking at how your mom or dad did work around the house. And if it was a single parent household, how your mom likely did work around the house and who was expected to do what. So my mom worked as a high level college administrator for as long as I can remember, like worked a lot of hours, served on boards, had a very high octane position. And despite all of that, my mother had a very traditional household. Like she still did all the cooking. She still cooked four to five days a week. She still did all the housework. She still did all the laundry because you did not mess with Miss Irma's laundry. It was going to be done a certain way and sorted a certain way. And so even though my parents had this very, you know, for the times modern marriage, my mom still did pretty much the bulk of the housework at home. Now, Say this, my dad was super hands-on, okay? He was like, Mr. Dad, took me to everything, picked me up, dropped me off at school, didn't miss a game. Team Dad, like, was super hands-on. You could not have asked for a better dad. And yet, my mom still did the fair share, or more than her fair share, of work at home. And so it was a pr pretty traditional you know, a scenario like my dad did the outside stuff. He tended to the lawn. He mowed the grass. He did the upkeep. He did the repairs. And, you know, he was handy. And my mom took care of everything in the house. So my parents never said, OK, you're a girl and it's your job to clean up. Like no one ever said that. But I, I got my original cues from what it meant to keep a home from my parents. All right. Next sphere of influence is likely your spouse. If you are married, then you and your spouse have really an implicit agreement about how you're going to split up household work, okay? And again, you may or may not have had a specific conversation about it, but chances are it's happening. And so today on average, dads actually contribute more around the house than they did in any previous generation. So kudos to dads for like stepping up and doing extra things. But the problem is the lion's share again still goes to moms. Why? One, just because of expectations. Two, just because... Moms are still the default parent. And, you know, also because the way that dads show up in housework is different. Like they're doing stuff around the house, but it's likely to be different from the way moms are doing stuff around the house because moms are, again, planning and they have all these strategies and systems. And dads are like, oh, you know, just 
we're going to do the thing and we're going to pick up the kid. We're going to we just going to figure it out. Right. And it's no system. And I mean, I fold the towel. It's folded. Right. I mean, it don't look like Martha Stewart, but the towel got folded, you know, so it's going to look fundamentally different. And so that's kind of where the rub is. So, you know, even if it's what you would consider like an egalitarian home that's a little bit more modern, where it's a more equal distribution, it is still not even. And it's likely because you have settled into a pattern of behaviors and routines where it's just unspoken. There are just certain things you're going to do. And over time, you kind of settle those in and you just get used to that as a couple, right? And so you've got what I call kind of, you know, this, this silent agreement going on in terms of how things are divvied up in your household. Here's another influence, the church, Okay. Uh Uh-oh, the church. So religion is definitely complicit in terms of how we view ourselves and our roles as as moms and women in the house. It's what I call Old Testament behavior. Okay. And so this is a throwback and evangelicals are pretty much the standard bearers for this, but they're not necessarily preaching the theology of like women stay at home and women stay at home. It's a lot more subtle than that. So one of the things that's so interesting is there is an entire cottage industry of Christian mom influencers, okay? Specifically, the LDS Church, which is the Church of Latter-day Saints. They're Mormon, and they have a very kind of Pinterest, beautiful lifestyle. They're typically young and petite and blonde, and they have like four, five, six kids, and their house looks immaculate, and they live in the mountains somewhere, and, you know, have you thinking you want to like, I don't know, run through the field and, you know, do something wonderful, but like this is sort of the model. And so they don't overtly say, oh, I'm Christian or this is the Christian way to do things, but you implicitly understand when you consume this content what the expectation is. So the church isn't necessarily, you know, proselytizing from the pulpit and saying, you know, women need to do this. It's a lot more subtle than that and it's packaged right in a different way, okay? The other sphere of influence is likely your job. Now, How is your job giving you cues about what you need to do at home? It's less what they're saying and more what they are or are not offering. All right. So do you have paid leave at your job? No. Okay. They just told you what was important. Did you get maternity leave? Did you get time off? No. Okay. They pretty much told you what it was. Do you have real flexibility in terms of your work schedule? If not, then your company has communicated uh, what their position is. Is there postpartum support? Do you have childcare benefits? Um, No. All right. So they spoke with that, too. Is there a lack of opportunity? If you take time off, will your job be there? Will you be making the same money or is it going to be pretty much that mom tax that we've talked about where you can't get your job back? So these are all the cues that companies are doing. Companies aren't saying that moms aren't welcome. It's more like, well, you know, if you choose to have a baby, you know, you may have your job. You may not. You figure it out. You know, you'll figure it out like you and your husband. That's a private thing. That's really not our business. I mean, you know, our business is to be productive and, you know, make money and and turn a profit. And so that's really going to be up to you, mom, to figure out what you're going to do about your career. But the problem is women who take time off routinely to take care of their homes and take care of their families are penalized on the back end. We, on average, lose millions of dollars over the course of our lifetime for the work pauses that we take, because when we step back into the labor force, the job isn't there. We got to start all the way over from ground zero. We got to work our way up, back up the ladder. And so we keep losing money and momentum. All right. So that's a key issue. And so the other 
sphere of influence that I think is really, really important and doesn't get enough credit is marketing. All right. So big consumer brands market to moms constantly. And we are marketed to as the household doer of things. Okay. So they've sold us vacuum cleaners and detergent that smells like lilies and little ham mops and refrigerators and little devices that you talk to that really secretly listen to your conversation, but you're supposed to tell them what to do. And they help, you know, lighten the load of labor around the house. And I remember a few years back seeing this commercial and it was for a cleaning company and there was a mom and you know she was smiling and she was beautiful and she was in her kitchen and I think her kids must have gotten home from school so the kids run in the door like a tornado okay like they are like ah, oh my god and they're playing and they're spilling stuff and knocking stuff over and the puppy just got mud and he shook you know and the mom is just standing there and I'm thinking oh my gosh she's about to she's about to go off okay she is about to flip out but did she flip out mm-mm this mom in this commercial smiled and she was like, oh, those kids. And she like grabbed the paper towel and she wiped down the counter and she cleaned up after the little, you know, dirty dog. And, you know, she had that satisfied look on her face. And I was thinking, whose mama is this? Like when the mess goes down in my house, we are not smiling. We are not singing songs. You know, we are not doing any of this. We, it is yelling and it is repercussions and consequences because you just made a mess. And so I say that to say this, that women and moms not only are expected to do the work and clean up other people's messes, we are expected to smile while we do the work and clean up other people's messes. And that's kind of that insidious marketing that happens, right? And so you're thinking, well, I'm not the smiling lady in the kitchen. I just went to level 10 in 10 seconds and went off. And that is common. And it's common because her reaction and your reaction ain't the same. And they're not supposed to be. Because here's the truth of it. Housework is hard and it's labor. And housework is often very thankless work. And housework is frequently never ending, okay? That's the part they don't show you. So that mom that's smiling in that commercial, they don't show you what's going on at the end of the day. They don't show you her reaching for that drink. They don't show you her needing her antidepressant to get over issue number 18. They don't show you the argument she just had with Bay, you know, in the laundry room for the 13th time. They don't show you that part. And that's where I feel like it lacks authenticity and really deprives mothers of their humanity to have like whole actual realistic and authentic responses, okay? And so if you are suffering from this load of everything at home and people are giving you advice about how to like squeeze one more hour out of your day, like just throw that advice away, okay? I am here to tell you, you don't have to take really lame advice from people who like are well-meaning, but it doesn't make any sense because you as a mom don't need to be scheduled within an inch of your life. That's the problem already. And what I want to caution you to do is take a look at what you can take off your plate and stop trying to figure out how you can pile more on it with one more app or one more hack or whatever. You need to do less and be concerned about that and not necessarily doing more, okay? Hey mamas, thanks for checking out this segment of the Motherhood is Political podcast. If you want to check out the full show, tune in to AskGardenia.com or visit your favorite streaming podcast platforms. So the first thing I want you to know is that America benefits greatly, as I said, from women doing all of this work. It's fundamentally the backbone of this economy. So imagine if tomorrow moms are just like, I'm out, I'm done, ain't doing it, no more, no pickup, no work, no cooking, no cleaning, no arranging, no shuttling, I, I just quit. And if so, moms, if, if we were to go on strike as a group, it would collapse 
the economy. Like within 24 hours, you know, shit would get real. Okay. And that is just a fact. And so, you know, I've got some stats for you because y'all know I love stats. And it's really important that you understand just how high the stakes are. According to a survey by McKinsey and Company, if women's unpaid labor was the equivalent of men's labor, it would add $28 trillion to the economy. $28 trillion. This one may or may not surprise you. Moms spend more time on household labor when they have spouses. When they have spouses. So you might be thinking, well, you know what? There's another adult in the house to divvy up and split up that labor. In fact, married moms' workload is higher. So married moms, on average, spend about 2.95 hours a day on housework, and single moms spend about 2.41 hours. And this just, you know, is across whether the married mom is working outside of the home or exclusively in the home. That like division of labor tends to be skewed, and married women tend to do more household labor. Also, get this, when moms out-earn their husbands, they still tend to do more housework at home. So even when the mama makes more money than the dad, she's still compensating for that household labor at home. So even making extra money and bringing home the bacon does not excuse you from the extra household labor, right? According to moms.com, full-time working moms spend about 21 hours a week on housework. And a Department of Labor time use survey found that stay-at-home moms spend about six and a half hours a day on domestic labor, which adds up to about 44 hours a week. And that's just household tasks, okay? Now, Campbell's, who did a poll, I'm talking about Campbell's Soup, that you probably ate as a kid, um, says that moms on average spend about 46 minutes preparing meals, about 44 minutes doing laundry. Now, putting it away is a whole other thing. That's probably three to five business days. And then about a half hour doing projects with the kids. And these are just like those little slots of time that add up. Finally, according to Arm & Hammer, the tasks that take up the most time are sweeping and dusting, cleaning the bathroom, and of course, laundry. And most moms say that laundry takes up a whole lot of time. 46% say more time today than pre-pandemic. All right, so we're spending more time doing my least favorite chore on the whole white world, okay? So that's how the numbers pan out. And so now that you know the stats, I need you to understand kind of the cultural norms and expectations and how we got here. Because like everything else, there, there's levels and layers to this. First thing is the first part of the 20th century, poor and working class white women were expected to do domestic labor in their homes. That was just kind of the standard. We had sitcoms about it. You saw shows about it. That was the expectation, right? Middle class and wealthy women were expected to manage their home, but not actually do the physical labor. That work went to black women who were hired to do that kind of domestic labor in those houses. And then those same black women would be responsible for going back to their own house and pulling that second shift and then performing their wifely and motherly duties at home, doing extra household labor, you know, taking care of the kids, that kind of thing. So because even though most black women worked outside the home, there was still that traditional expectation of roles. Now, personal story. My grandma was the oldest of 10 children. 
She worked all of her life. She was an amazing cook, amazing seamstress. She sewed my eighth grade graduation dress. She sewed my cousin's drum major uniform. I mean, this woman was amazing. She kept an immaculate home. She vacuumed, I think, twice a day. Like, she was a little bit OCD, okay with it. And that's no exaggeration. So she ran a cafe for many years to help put my mom through college. And in later years, she wound up cleaning a home for an older white lady who was in town. Now, I remember this distinctly. Like, I was in high school when my grandmother was cleaning this lady's house. And she talked a lot about, you know, what it was like to clean her house and, you know, kind of what the power dynamic was. It was a really interesting conversation. This was not that long ago. And so, you know, ultimately my mom was like, you know, my your grandma's been working all of her life. She works really hard. Her goal was to retire her so she would not have to do that kind of hard backbreaking work anymore. And so she did. And so I just share that story because I can personally bear witness to this history of women of color and black women and Latina women in terms of domestic labor and cleaning up other people's houses and raising other people's children and nursing other people's babies. Like that was a whole thing, right? That happened for a long time. And so you guys remember that movie, The Help? right, that came out a while ago, it was a box office smash, and it won a lot of Oscars, and frankly, y'all, like, white women loved the help. Like, when I say love this movie, loved it. And so, obviously, it was a movie about black maids in the Jim Crow South, and ironically, you know, Viola Davis, many years later, would say that one of her biggest career regrets was actually being a lead character in that movie, why? Because it centered the experiences and the stories of the white characters and not necessarily the black maids who it was supposed to be about, right? She felt like it should have amplified their voices, but instead it kind of became one of those, you know, oh, we're here to save the day and there's a young white protagonist and she's gonna, you know, help these women get their comeuppance. And that wasn't really how it went down, but, you know, I can have a whole conversation about why black movies who win Oscars are all about slaves and pimps and, you know, throwback stuff like that's a conversation for another day. But the fact is we are so accustomed to people of color doing labor for other people that not only do we not think anything of it, we celebrate it when we see the story. Right. And so that's hard work and it's honorable work. All right. So I just told you that that that's the work that my grandmother did. That's not work I'm putting down because it's hard work, but I need you to understand, you know, the levels and the complexity of that and how when you have a group of people who have been marginalized in a way where that is the sum total of how you are seen as a house servant, as an assistant, as someone who is just there to clean up somebody else's messes, that really does diminish someone else's, you know, personhood. That's the point we're getting here. And so, you know, historically, a lot of women of color didn't have the luxury of just staying at home. We had to work. And my grandmothers worked outside the home. My mom did. My aunts, my older sisters, all of my mom's friends worked and all of my friends' moms, right? So just about everybody in my circle. The only women who did not work we're literally like, it was one woman who was in our neighborhood. And I'm talking out of the hundreds of black moms I knew, I knew one stay-at-home mom, okay? Just to kind of put that into perspective. And I say all that because when it was my turn to become a mother, I decided quite surprisingly that I was gonna step away from corporate work, be a full-time mom, and that was unheard of. Nobody in my circle had ever stayed home with kids. No one in my circle had ever had the luxury of doing that. So I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't have 
uh, a guide. I didn't have a mentor. I was out there trying to figure out how do I show up as a ex-corporate, college-educated, multiple-degree woman who decided I'm getting off the corporate train and I'm going to focus on raising my kid full-time. So not only was it a complex time, but it was also lonely because I didn't have a model again. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And this was really the first time that I had really experienced something like this, okay? And so... The other thing that I found was I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to approach motherhood like I've approached everything else. I used to run multi-million dollar projects. I led large teams across the country. I was flying and traveling and doing all these things and spreadsheets and all of that project management. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing. But little did I know that managing big work projects was far easier than managing my house, okay? That was a whole other skill set. That was a whole other level of complexity. And just because I had this skill over here did not make it easier at home. And what that meant was I really felt like a failure. I was like, how is it that I have you know, had all these accomplishments and successes in the corporate arena. And I feel like I am dropping the ball and failing as a mother. Why am I tired? Why can't I ever get ahead of stuff? Like what's going on? Why is it so difficult to feel like I'm, you know, making progress? And why do I feel like I'm always climbing underneath a pile of something, to-do list, stuff, laundry, tasks, things? That's how it felt as a mom. And so you don't want to complain because you're like, girl, you're at home. You, You have the luxury of being at home. But a lot of times it didn't feel like a luxury. And so keep in mind, once upon a time, you had generations of women who were educated about managing a home and home ec class. Do y'all remember home economics? Any of y'all have that? Y'all know that's completely not a thing, okay, in schools right now, right? So the boys used to take shop and the girls used to take home ec and you would learn all these different skills and figure out how to manage stuff. Okay, now you don't have that. And then on top of that, you don't have a village, right? And then on top of that, there are all these expectations in terms of things you're supposed to be doing in and out the home with no support, right? With no Nana there, with no great grandmother there, you know, with no uh, village and neighborhood of people there to support you and embrace you. So these are all the things that moms, especially new moms, are doing. I had a very modern marriage, okay? My husband can iron like the best of them. Matter of fact, he irons my clothes to this day. He can bake chocolate chip cookies from scratch. He is super hands-on. And so what I want you to know is even if you have a modern marriage, even if you have a spouse who's hands-on, it's still hard as hell because the sheer volume of things you need to manage is just not manageable, okay? And so work projects picked up, household tasks kept picking up, and I kept thinking, Like, what am I going to do? Like, what exactly is going to happen? And it came to me one day that I was going to have to unlearn a lot of behavior and disentangle myself from all of these traditional expectations that I had around motherhood and housework. And so I had to ask myself, what, what am I trying to prove by doing all these things? Am I trying to get a medal for household burnout? Am I in like, you know, Hunger Games, you know, the household edition? Like what exactly is happening and why am I really killing myself trying to do this? And I eventually realized, y'all, it wasn't really just about the housework. Okay, it went a lot deeper than that. It wasn't about who left the cap off the toothpaste. It wasn't about whose turn it was to wash the clothes. It wasn't about who left the toilet seat up. Okay, it went much deeper than that. It was about how we show up in our marriages and our relationships. It was really about personal identity. Who the hell was I outside of corporate lady and boss lady, right? It was about the value we place on our time and how we demand others respect that time. So mamas, look, it's time out for the burnout. 
Okay, it's time out for the hot mess. It's time out for you penalizing yourself for basically breaking under this incredible load. It's not your fault and it's it's okay. And it's definitely time out for, you know, us feeling like this is something we have to shoulder on our own because we don't. Okay, and so. What I want to do is I want to really kind of break down in the next episode my journey of breaking free from household burnout. I'm going to talk a little bit about the signs of household burnout and what you need to do and how to know if it's time for an intervention because sometimes you need an intervention. And then I also want to talk about the tools and the tactics that you're going to need to go from the stress life to the soft life. All right. So I want you guys to stand by, tune in. Um, for the very next episode, it's going to be part two, where I really break all of that down. I'm going to give you the tools and tips to get there. And also, you know, a few little gems, and a little mini sermon, as always. OK, so until next time, which hopefully is in just a few minutes, take good care of yourselves, fill your cup. And remember, motherhood is political. Next week on Motherhood is Political. You can't out clean clutter. You can't out-organize clutter, y'all. Like, there is no amount of containers from the container store that's going to save you from clutter if you keep collecting more stuff. And so that's why you can't get ahead, all right?